Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took oil in their flasks with their lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, Here's the groom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, No, there won't be enough for us and for you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. When they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open for us. He replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore be alert, because you do not know either the day or the hour. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Well, I love the charcoal grill. I know that doesn't do much for my carbon footprint. I'll repent of that later. But I really love the taste. I love the smell and all those things. And when I was younger... I'm sure many of you were in the same boat when you used charcoal, everything ended up coming out tasting like lighter fluid. Am I wrong? Yeah, you, you, you make the pyramid, put the, and then you get to light the match, and like, woohoo, and it looks awesome, and then it doesn't taste that good. Well, a few years ago, quite a few years ago, I was gifted one of those chimneys, those, those metal cylinders with the handle. It's got the cone on the bottom. So you can put the, you put the charcoal at the top, and you can, you can shove the paper or kindling or whatnot in the bottom and you can set it on the grill and you light the paper and it it heats the coals from the bottom up and and because it's so contained in such a small space that it heats them up faster and you you basically get this torch going for you and it's great because you can eat sooner that's the important part of the cooking process well when you shove the paper in there sometimes you often run into a problem of the the paper will burn too fast and it won't heat up the coals fast enough, and so it takes a little bit more time. Well, chef friend of mine, uh, when I was still working in restaurants, he, he said, well, put some oil on the paper. And it actually slows down the burning process so the paper can last longer and heat up, heat up the coals. It, it keeps it, it going faster, gets it, gets it hotter. And I, I tried it, and it worked. It was awesome. You don't have all the little ashes flying everywhere and stuff. It keeps it contained and and it gets it red hot. Well, with our parable this morning, we're faced with this issue of the long burn and the quick burn. You have those folks who brought their oil with them. They're ready for a long burn. Those torches, those lamps need to be going. The folks that didn't bring it with them, what do you think will happen when they light those torches? It's not going to last very long. Because you see, these, 
what would end up happening when there's going to be a wedding, there would be the, the bridesmaids that would, that would be there and they would be with their lamps and they're waiting for the bridegroom to come so that they could escort the bridegroom to the bride. Forget the party started. And they're waiting. Well, some of them didn't bring their oil. That's like the bridesmaids, uh, let's see, uh, not bringing their bouquets to the wedding, uh, not, not wearing their dresses and not getting their hair done so they show up in pajama pants and curlers. And then you wonder, hmm, are, are we at a frat party or are we actually having a wedding? Or are guys, it would be, you know, not, you know, showing up unshaven and, you know, tank top and Bermuda shorts and flip-flops. Unless it's one of those kinds of weddings, doesn't go so well. The idea being that these, these, these bridesmaids are supposed to be ready and they're supposed to be waiting and, and they're not bringing what it is that they're supposed to have. This, this oil being essential to the parable, to the story, because there have been so many different understandings of what the, the symbol of the oil means, but, but they all work together. One being perseverance. How many of us know someone who's stubborn? My grandfather's motto was, get a bigger hammer. Right? Stubborn person, perseverance. You're going to continue to go even though it doesn't seem to be working or it's hard. You continue to do it. The Christian life being one for stubborn people. Or endurance. Endurance being something important for a Christian. I don't think I'll ever find out if this is true or not, but they say, I actually don't want to know if it's true or not. They say that if you get to mile 20 in a marathon, last six are just, they just happen. I'd have an issue getting to mile two or three. I'm not built for endurance. You know, maybe short distances. That's me. Uh, getting to mile 20 is not something I'm necessarily looking at. But they say that once you get there, you're just basically on autopilot and you're going. But it takes a lot of work to get to mile 20. Endurance. This oil being this, this, this symbol of endurance, of, of that long burn, that long lasting thing. Then there's patience. Patience in the waiting. Like, like baking bread it takes a lot of time. So much easier to go to the bakery and just buy it yourself. But you bake your own bread. You have to sit there and knead it, let it rise, punch it down, knead it some more, let it rise. And then you put it in the oven and then it makes the whole house smell good and then you have to wait even longer. And then it comes out and it's awesome, but it takes time, it takes effort, it takes work, it takes patience. And then last... The last one is one that we don't use that often, and I used this word last week, but long-suffering. Long-suffering. The notion that the Christian life is not about peaches and cream all the time. It's not about making sure that we're happy, wealthy, and wise. That Christ actually comes to us and says it's going to be full of suffering. This morning, I got the chance to baptize little Ada Jane Francis Richter, the fourth Richter in the Richter clan, and... Uh, I tend to enjoy using the older liturgies for baptism, and so I use a variation of the one out of our old red hymnal. Some of our newer ones are a little, little iffy, but in there, prior to the baptism, it would have been time to place the mark of the cross on the baby's forehead, and you would say this, receive the sign of the holy cross and token that henceforth thou shalt know the Lord and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Now in, our, now in our, our liturgy, I say, Ada Jane Francis, child of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. The cross not being the symbol of a happy party life. 
the cross being a sign of suffering, of hardship, that that is the normal way of things for us as Christians. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it, but it's part of the reason why faith is the symbol last of that oil that we have to clutch, that we have to hold on to. The bringing of that, of that oil is this trust that what Jesus says to us is true. That we can trust that He is trustworthy. When He tells us that I am going to prepare a place for you, He's not lying. When He tells you, where I am, you shall also be. He's not lying. When he tells you, I will be with you always into the end of the age, he's not lying. When the scriptures tell us, I have called you by name, you are mine, they're not lying to you. And we hold on to that faith as this thing that keeps us going, that becomes the focus of our life. Well, the struggle that we have with this parable is that we don't like the judgment part of it. Those foolish maidens, bridesmaids, virgins who quite literally, actually judge themselves. Think of it this way. Those of you parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, you play a game with your your kids, make-believe, right? And they really believe there's a dragon. They really believe there's a castle. And how many times do we play wrongly and we have to be reminded? Or you're sitting in the wrong seat at the tea party, you're actually sitting on, on Angela and she needs her spot, you have to sit one seat over. And the kids believe it and truly hold to that thing that this is happening now, but we as as adults, we just go, okay, yeah. And then once we're done, we leave and we go do adult things. Well, you see in these, these, these foolish bridesmaids, they're ones who they've dressed up for the party. They've brought the props with them, basically humoring their five friends. In many ways, They see the wise virgins as as the foolish ones to actually believe that this Jesus says he's going to come back. They're they're thinking, yeah, we'll go and sit out in the countryside, have a nice little picnic, wait, then we'll go home, get back in our pajamas, snuggle under a blanket and watch Netflix. When the reality is for them that going through the motions and having no substance to it, the substance that causes us to endure the substance of this story that Christ gives to us to remind us that what he tells us is true, that he will come back. And there's this need for faith on our part for that. But I have to tell you, there's a few things that this story is not about. Number one, it's not about Jesus' coming, look busy. That's not what this is about. Because that old phrase that, that, that's been used in the church for so long basically gets the life of the Christian turned into becoming the focus of whatever it is that we're doing. The menial tasks that we're doing. We better remain busy. Busy work. When I was working in restaurants, you were getting paid by the hour, so you weren't allowed to stand around. There was silverware to, to roll and napkins. There was glasses to polish. There were windows to clean. There was all sorts of stuff that you could be doing. Oh, you better stay busy. Jesus is coming back. That's not what this story is about. Secondly, it's not about do nothing. It's not about being passive. It's not about just sitting and waiting, gazing up into the sky for Jesus to come back. It's not about that. And it's also not about let it burn. It's not about, oh, well, Jesus is coming back, so who cares about the world? Who cares about people? Whatever. We'll just let it burn. There's going to be a new heavens and new earth anyways. What it is about 
is Jesus becoming the very focus of everything, of every single thing. Church, we, we gather for worship, and part of what we do in our worship usually is we say the creed. And we stand up and we say, I believe, or we believe in particular things. And it becomes this place for us as Christians to say, we truly believe this so much so that, for instance, the fact that Jesus Christ, born of the whole, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, is going to have something to do with what happens between Monday and Saturday. That he's going to come again to judge the living and the dead has something to do with how I do certain things in my life. The unfortunate thing is that in the church we get so caught up with the Jesus is coming back, look busy, that we like to create our lists. Here's the Christian things we need to do. We like to mark it off. And then here's the non-Christian things. Oh, you better not do these things. And every Christian has those lists. Because we like to know how Christian-ish are we doing? When for Christ, he comes to us, and especially in the Lutheran context, as we have this understanding of vocation, that Jesus Christ, crucified, died, buried, and raised for me, has influence on how I parent my children, has influence on how I love and care for my wife, has influence on how I quite literally care for my neighbors next door to me, not just thousands of miles away. It, it has an impact on, on, on how I, I, I use my checkbook, how, how I use my social media, how, how I, I eat my food, all those things impacting these very little things because we love to have these big things that we like to do. But we get so caught up in these big things that we can use those to say, well, these are the Christian things to do when we get lost in the fact that I worship God in the way I love and care for my kids, in the way that I grandparent, in the way that I great-grandparent, in the way that I mow my lawn, even, is a working of God in my life for others. Because otherwise we get bogged down by the worries of so many other things. We, 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 we get lost in, in trying to look at the works of Christ working in us that are being done for others. In the baptismal liturgy, we, we quote from the scriptures and, and we say, The name of the one baptized child of God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, marked with the cross of Christ forever. And then we take a candle and we light it. We say, Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works. Why? And glorify you, glorify your Father who is in heaven. The things that we do are not to mark us out as, well, we're the Christian people. The things that we do are to announce to people that we have a Jesus who's king, who will come back. Because you see with these processions for the weddings, the torches were used because you would walk through a village or you might even walk from one village to another and it was to announce to everyone that the bridegroom was here. Bridegroom's coming. People would see this procession, this certain type of procession, and people would recognize that the groom is coming, that the groom is on his way, that the groom is here. And so it is for us, church, in our lives, that we go throughout our days, day after day 
after day in our perseverance and our endurance and our patience and our long-suffering and our faith. We announce to the world that Christ is coming and Christ is here in our midst, in his word, in his sacraments, and in his church. Thanks be to God. Amen.